0: What's in your holiday toolkit? Do you look forward to or dread spending time with family around the holidays? Or maybe you totally avoid them. Welcome to episode 311 of The Recovery Show. This episode is brought to you by Stephanie, Michelle, Lisa, Sherry, Rose, and Janie. They use the donation button on our website. Thank you, Stephanie, Michael, Lisa, Sherry, Rose, and Janie for your generous contributions. This episode is for you. We are friends and family members of alcoholics and addicts who have found a path to serenity and happiness. We who live or have lived with the seemingly hopeless problem of addiction understand as perhaps few others can. So much depends on our own attitudes, and we believe that changed attitudes can aid recovery. Before we begin, we would like to state that in this show we represent ourselves rather than any 12-step program. During this show, we will share our own experiences. The opinions expressed here are strictly those of the person who gave them. Take what you like and leave the rest. We hope that you will find something in our sharing that speaks to your life. My name is Spencer, and I am your host today. got an email from Maria, who I think expresses the difficulties that we're talking about here today. She writes, First, I'd like to say that I'm very thankful and grateful for this podcast. It is part of my weekly toolkit that I listen to on my morning walks and oftentimes throughout the day. I've been an active member of Al-Anon, Since July 20th of this year, and I've been fighting the dread of the upcoming holidays. I grew up in an alcoholic household, and holidays were filled with chaos due to my mother's, she was, and still is an untreated Alanone, my mother's need to have a perfect Norman Rockwellian event. There was screaming and yelling right up to the moment company would arrive, and then a switch flipped, and she was the perfect hostess. As an adult, I've always been able to have other plans with friends, etc., and have always been able to deal, cope, and have relief with not having to be with my family. Until this year. I was involved with a man over the past year who, unbeknownst to me, is a severe alcoholic. I knew he partied, but the severity of his drinking wasn't obvious as we were not living in the same city. This relationship and the ending of it triggered so many things that I have shoved way down for many years. The first time in my life, I honestly felt there was no hope for me. Finding and being in a relationship where alcohol wasn't the main character. Then I found my way into Al-Anon. I have not started my step work yet, but I do attend three meetings a week, read from my stack of Al-Anon-approved literature, and listen to your podcast. I am feeling the changes within me, feeling the hope. I have four meetings planned out this week, and will be attending the Fellowship's Thanksgiving Potluck. I have my daily readers and this podcast. So I have many things to be grateful and thankful for this holiday season. Thanks for all you do, Spencer and team, Maria. Maria sets out fear of the holidays, sets out unrealistic expectations for the holidays, causing chaos and dysfunction, and talks about one of the tools she's used, which was to to not be there. And maybe for many of us, for many of us, that might be the best option. Just don't be there but maybe we don't feel we don't have a choice maybe we are still living in that family and so what what toolkit can we take with us or have with us when we're going to be spending time with family time with dysfunction during the holiday season the thing that has been most important to me to have joy and serenity during holiday gatherings is to have realistic expectations and sometimes that's no expectations which is Sort of a hard thing to do. have to practice that over and over. The story that I've told, and if you are a regular listener to the podcast, you've heard it before. In 2004, my parents were about to move out of the house that I grew up in that they had been living in for almost 50 years. So I grew up there. It was the only, the only home that I really knew. I was born in a different house, but they moved into this one when I was three years old. So they were going to move out, and they wanted to have one more Christmas in the old house. This, of course, is the house in which I had enjoyed many Christmas celebrations as a child, as a young person, and sometimes as an adult. I didn't live near my parents anymore, so I wasn't there every Christmas. There were a lot of memories and a lot of possible expectations about things we could or would do to celebrate the holiday, 50 years worth of memories, right? And I knew that in the, I don't know, maybe four days, five days, something, we were going to be there. There was absolutely no way we were going to do all those things. Just, it couldn't happen. I had a couple of years in Al-Anon at that point, and so I knew that expectations could be deadly. Expectations are premeditated resentments. And so I told myself, do not have expectations about what might or might not happen. There will be family gathering, there will be food, there will be a tree, there will be presents, there will be some singing, there will be some church. All that is very likely to happen. But the details are out of my control, and some of them may or may not happen. I can be there and be in the moment, be enjoying the things that are happening, rather than resenting or regretting the things that aren't happening. To set the scene, my loved one was still drinking. I had two teenage children, and we were going for the last Christmas in the old house. So, lots of opportunity for things to go wrong there, huh? Lots of opportunity for broken expectations. My wife might drink a lot. She might act out. The kids might be teenagers. It was one of the best Christmas celebrations that I had experienced, and I have to attribute that entirely to not having expectations not expecting what was going to happen and then being unhappy when it didn't happen so having realistic expectations about what will or will not happen i think is really a key to surviving perhaps enjoying the holidays but while you're there things will happen while you're in in the celebration things will happen that maybe it's and it's helpful to have a toolkit that you've thought about ahead of time to deal with them, to recenter yourself, to keep yourself calm and serene, or at least not crazy. So what are the things in the toolkit? These are not in any particular order, I think. It's important to recognize when I'm feeling stressed. You know, we have hungry, angry, lonely, tired as bodily or mental conditions that can cause me to act out, to react in unhealthy ways. And to that, I would add stressed. So HALTS, I guess, would be an acronym. Hungry, angry, lonely, tired, or stressed. Recognize that and then apply one of the other tools for de-stressing. I think a key, especially if you're traveling, if you're visiting somewhere, but even if maybe you're hosting in your own home, is to have an escape plan. And it might be a physical escape plan or it might be a mental escape plan. Give yourself permission to just step out for a moment if that's what is it is needed. Go in the bedroom for a little prayer and meditation. Heck, if you have to, lock yourself in the bathroom for a little while. I find that, that when I'm getting worked up, maybe because of some, quotes, conversation that's going on, that's going off the rails as far as I'm concerned, just taking myself away for a little bit, for a couple of minutes, can be a huge help to my serenity to my peace of mind. Or maybe I need to just leave. And I think this voicemail from Matt talks a little bit about that.
1: Thanks, right, Spencer. I hope uh, everybody had a good Thanksgiving. I'm just calling in on that sort of emergency response hit for the holidays. Uh, the one thing I struggled with in particular it wasn't just meeting people or getting together with people who could be difficult. It was this aspect of sort of experiencing traumatic things or revisiting traumatic traumas from the past because of the, the presence and the prominence of alcohol at a lot of these holiday gatherings. And even, you know, the music, there's a subgenre of holiday music that is essentially drinking songs. And it was difficult to go and be present at these gatherings where something that had caused me so much personal Grief was being celebrated and enjoyed. Uh, so uh, once I came into the program, what, what, I, and I, I had to consciously work on these things. And one of the things that helped me was to be just more aware, be more self-aware and more mindful of who I was and where I was. Because I hadn't had a drink in 25, 30 years. So I was going to be okay. And, and that enabled me to, to have a level of detachment. And once I could
0: detach,
1: which was a strange concept in a gathering of people, but I needed to do that, I, I, I could allow them to enjoy the holiday as they wanted, uh, and and I could take the good uh, of these celebrations and of these people whom I loved and and had affection for, and not have to drag all of the past and project into the future. So uh, that's been a real help for me. and because the holidays remain an important part of my life. And there's a lot of good in them, you know, and not what the good in anyone behold in, in those contests. The one pragmatic thing I did as well was to know when to pull the pin. I mean, back when I used to drink myself, I was one of those people. I mean, I'm not a double winner, but I was one of those guys who wouldn't start from the bar stool until the bartender put the shadeless lamp right on the bar and turned on the light bulb, and it gave you the idea it was time to start going home. Uh, you know, no good comes after midnight if it's like an old wives thing. In a sense, it's just, if, if I'm, if I'm at one of these gatherings, there's a lot of drinking going on. I can leave I, as long as I have my ingress and egress planned out. I, I, you know, in the freedom of movement, I don't have to stick around till the wee hours when things tend to get a little sloppy or ugly or whatever. It's just part of that enjoying and being present for the good things. And being free to leave and and not partake of the the you know the negative aspects of it, so I hope everybody has a great holiday and thanks for all your work uh, and I'll keep listening
0: Thank you, Matt, for that if i 'm traveling, I need a way to be able to leave if i'm visiting, and maybe that means don't stay with the family. I was talking to some friends yesterday who were going out to California for the holidays to be with one of their family. And I said, are you staying with them? I think we were talking about, you know, cheap airfare. And I was thinking, well, the other thing that's expensive out there is lodging. I said, "It's so are you staying your family to stay with? And they're like, no, we're in a hotel. We tried staying with them last time and it was not a good scene. And so they're taking care of themselves by spending a few hundred dollars on a, on a hotel instead of cheaping out and staying with the family with all of the stresses of doing that. So that's another way of escaping. If, if I have, if we have our own place that we're sleeping, we did this a couple of years ago at Thanksgiving, the house was going to be very crowded because my brother had just moved in with my parents and my daughter's boyfriend was coming and both kids were coming. So it was, was going to be a very full house and, and their house is pretty open. It's hard to get some, get privacy anyway. So we rented a room in a B and B that was I don't know five minutes away, and it helped a whole lot because we could retreat there, have a quiet evening together, a quiet waking up, you no know, competition for the bathroom. It was really nice. It was a really good thing, and yet yeah, it costs some money, but totally, totally was worth it. Megan called with a few tips that work for her. Hey, sister,
2: my name's Megan, calling from California. I just listened to three hundred eight about tools and you asked for tools for the holidays. And the ones that came up for me were walking shoes. That's what my sponsor says is to always have my walking shoes when I go to an event so I can just always walk out and go for a walk and get some breath. I did that at Thanksgiving. I listened to your podcast and I walked like four miles and it was such a nice self-care thing that I did. And I didn't know what any meant. The other thing that I've learned is I bring like hard candy so that I just stuck on that instead of saying something. It just occupies me. It helps me to remember to keep my mouth shut and listen and not respond. And the other thing is if I travel out of town, make sure I find some meetings ahead of time and put them in my calendar on my phone so that it's not just a, at a whim, oh I'm going to go to a meeting. It's, it's planned, I scheduled it, and I work my schedule around that and let people know that I will be unavailable at this time. Anyway, happy holidays. Thanks.
0: Bye. Thanks for sharing those, Megan. Plan ahead. Again, if you're traveling, and, and a lot of this toolkit, I guess, is aimed at the idea that you might be traveling to visit family for the holidays, whatever holidays you're celebrating this year. Bring your literature. A few pieces of Al-Anon literature, and I think I mentioned this last week or the week before, are available electronically. They're available for Kindle or Nook or Google Reader, whatever is on an Android phone. From those appropriate outlets, I think also on on the Apple Store. The book How al Works is available electronically. The Daily Reader, Courage to Change. Those are the two big ones. And then there's another reader called Having Had a Spiritual Awakening, it's available electronically, and the Alateen book is available. Also, the AA Big Book is available electronically in many formats. And those links can be found in last week's show at therecovery.show slash 310 slash 310. So bring your literature, whether it's hard copy books or electronic books, so that you have it with you when, when you might need it to calm yourself down, to bring yourself up, to remind yourself of important recovery principles that you just can't quite remember how it goes. If you're going to be away from your usual meetings, I find it very helpful to locate and to plan to attend meetings in the area where I'm traveling. And this is sort of doubly true when I'm traveling to family. Al-Anon exists all over this country and all around the world, and it may be easier to find in some places than others, but the the website has a meeting locator for just about anywhere you want to go. See if you can find a meeting, or maybe plan on a phone meeting if you can do that, or an electronic meeting of some sort. Those are also listed on the Elanon website. Bring phone numbers with you phone numbers of Elanon friends, uh, phone number of your sponsor if you have one, and maybe make arrangements ahead of time like, hey, can we talk uh, Christmas afternoon? Because I know. I'm going to be all stressed out, and I'm going to really need some Al-Anon contact right then. So plan, plan ahead. Something that uh, a friend of mine told me about that she does when she's at a family gathering, and the adults are going to be you know, drinking and arguing and just riling up everything. She sits at the kids' table because there's a lot less drama at the kids' table. That's a technique to think about if that's a possibility for you. Big family gathering. And speaking of big family gatherings with drama and arguments, something that can be really, really helpful for me is to not pick up the rope, to not step into the drama, to not engage in the argument. Because there's nothing that disrupts my serenity more than to get into a conversation, an argument where People are expressing opinions that I really don't agree with. A friend of mine said, you know, when I would go to Thanksgiving with my family, it would always be all these arguments and yelling and stuff. And then one year I decided that I would not engage. And you know what? All those arguments didn't happen. Whoa. (laughs) A little bit of a a reality check there, I guess, For this one, I like the acronym WAIT. Why am I talking? I want to jump in. I can remind myself to wait, remind myself to keep my mouth shut. Doesn't always work. I'm not perfect. Thank God. But it's a good one. Why am I talking? Wait. If you can't have realistic expectations, how about no expectations? I think I already talked about that, really. I kind of touched on this. Keep your recovery routines going. If you have a daily routine of prayer and meditation, try to keep it going. If you have a daily routine of conversation with an Alan friend or conversation with a sponsor, daily inventory, keep those things going while you're while you're traveling, while you're in this potential dysfunction. Because keeping my serenity, keeping my peace of mind, keeping my mental balance not only makes the experience more pleasant for me, but actually for the people around me too. I can I can be that example of how I'd like the other people to act, even if they don't pick up on it. I'll feel better. I will note also that we've done this topic a couple times before in 2015 and in 2017. In 2015, episode 134, the recovery.show slash 134, we have a holiday survival kit, which is probably a little better organized than this one was. And in 2017, Episode 229, TheRecovery.show slash 229, Holiday Expectations. So I did a whole episode about expectations around the holidays. So you might want to check those out as well. If you're uh, heading into a holiday, uh, quote, celebration that you're feeling a little anxiety, a little trepidation, a little nervousness about. Give yourself some tools to enjoy it rather than fearing it. Who knows? Okay, I picked some songs. The first one I've used before. But it just seems so appropriate. It's the Ramones with We're a Happy Family. And it's this upbeat, cheery song with a whole bunch of dysfunction in it. Starts out, we're a happy family. We're a happy family. We're a happy family, me, mom, and daddy. Sitting here in Queens, eating refried beans. We're in all the magazines, gulping down Thorazines. We ain't got no friends. Our troubles never end. No Christmas cards to send. So we're a happy family, except, you know, all this stuff is happening. seemed like a good pick. In this section of the podcast, we talk about our lives in recovery. How have we experienced recovery this week? Oh, man, it's been um, a couple of weeks, at least, since I've talked to you. I travel. I came back. There was some massive drama in my team at work. We had been having some personal issues, some interpersonal difficulties, I guess is the way to put it, in the team. And I thought we had started to work through them. I thought that the situation was improving. And then on on Tuesday this week, we were doing our usual look back over the last week or so and how are things going. We started out well and identifying some problems we had faced and some ways that we might move forward with them. And then somehow the, the conversation degenerated into how to put it accusations and reactions back and forth between a couple of team members. And it, it got really stressful and toxic. We did not end in a good place. We did not end with people feeling good about what we had talked about with people feeling any kind of resolution. And I, I spent part of the rest of that afternoon talking to a couple of the people who'd been in the meeting about how they were feeling And the next day we were going to have a meeting with our HR person who had asked us all to view a video about communicating with empathy. And we were going to talk about how can we do better at communicating with empathy, which I'll tell you what, on Tuesday, there was not a whole lot of empathy going on in that, in that room. Several of us were concerned that this conversation could degenerate in the same way that the one the day before had gone. So I spent, a while talking to our HR person because I am the team lead. So there's, there's some responsibility there about what had happened the day before because she hadn't been there and what I wanted to avoid. What, what positive goals I would I wanted for the meeting that afternoon and what negative things that I really wanted to try to not have happen. And I will say that she did a great job of, of guiding our conversation in the afternoon towards understanding a little bit about empathy and how we might experience it and express it and ending with each of us making a commitment to try one tool over the next several weeks for improving our ability to uh, communicate, to listen, and to respond. And so everybody has one tool they're going to work on and we'll come back together in about a month to see how we're doing. And then we agreed as a group that it was time for holiday happy hour so we went out and we had uh, we had snacks and drinks and a trivia game and really ended the afternoon on a high note leading into vacations one of the team members was going on vacation the next day and so we're we're sitting there sort of in a positive place as we go into the new year which is is great and we'll see i know it's not going to be easy i was like this this is not in my wheelhouse. I don't know how to make this thing right. But, you know, I do, sort of, because I've learned so many tools in this program, and I try to practice the principles of the program in my life. In the meeting on Saturday, we were talking about Tradition 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles above personalities. I think that's how it reads. And I reflected on using the principles of this program in my interactions at work and trying to model the principles of this program in my interactions at work and and how I am I'm hopeful that that will improve the way that our team is able to work together the week before as you may recall I was in Las Vegas at a conference the conference was was tiring but there was some really good information for me there I'm glad I went and Las Vegas is just tiring for me I don't go to shows I don't gamble so there's not a lot for me there. So maybe it's good that the the conference basically took up the whole day from about 7.30 in the morning till 6 in the evening. And then maybe I could go out and get out of the hotel casino conference center complex, which one day I put 10,000 steps on without ever leaving that uh, Caesar's Palace complex. Go out and, and get dinner somewhere else and then come back and, and chill. And also record a podcast episode. How about that? Alina has been listening through the back catalog and also some of the current catalog and sharing on some of the episodes. And she starts out uh, responding to episode 307, which was Aaron J. that I had titled, It's Not About Me. And then she goes on to talk about blame, gratitude, step four, forcing solutions, easy does it, and step five.
3: Hi, my name's Alina. I just listened to episode 307 about It's Not About Me. I guess I was intrigued by the title because I was kind of going through some stuff with my qualifier. And that's one of the things that I struggle with is taking things personal. I mean, I guess I've improved on that a lot. I feel like being an Al-Anon for the past five years, but it's still a struggle for me. I tend to be okay when it's somebody that maybe isn't as close to me or, you know, if it's related to work or, you know, certain members of the family. But when it's someone really close that seems, it just seems to get to me sometimes. But I am making progress and that's all I can be grateful for right now. You know, one thing that did resonate with me when, when they mentioned, you know, not taking somebody else's inventory and, you know, sometimes I real—I don't realize I'm doing it and I'm doing it, you know, so I realize that I'm only responsible for myself and that I probably, you know, what was hurtful to me really isn't about me. It's something that they're dealing with. And, you know, I try to like reflect and think about, okay, it's the disease, even though they're sober, you know, they're still struggling with stuff. And I struggle with things as well in my recovery. I'm not perfect. And, I just need to focus on that and work on that. I just wanted to share on episode 16, I just finished listening to that about blame. One thing that I don't often think about when I think about blame is I'm always thinking of it as a perspective from my qualifier at times because I do tend to get a lot of that. From them, and I know that I know that in the beginning, I blamed a lot of my hurt and pain for things that they they did, their actions, their words, things like that. And over time, I've kind of learned to try and not take things personally, and know that they must be hurting people that are hurt are hurting other people, and that it's something that they're dealing with, not necessarily. But it is hard sometimes because just recently, my qualifier is very stressed at work and. I find that I'm on the other end of that frustration that he's going through. And, you know, I do tend to take it personal. And I get frustrated myself because I feel like, you know, I'm in my program. He's not really necessarily in his. And that's not for me to make any judgments on. And I I can only take care of myself. And I know that sometimes I get frustrated and wonder, you know, I just want to give up, you know. And I know that I had listen to someone else share about, you know, getting frustrated in that point and just being like done. And, you know, but then you got to sit back and think about, you know, all that the progress I've made and learned through Al-Anon. And, you know, my Al-Anon friends are always reminding me like one day at a time and you're making progress and, you know, look, what would you have done differently? And how are you feeling? You know, questions like that. And it just helps me to know that I'm not alone, and I liked the also the um, comparison about feelings and emotions, and that kind of made me see things in a different light when I, those two things were defined. I've always struggled with my feelings and being sensitive and taking things to heart, and I've always loved that about myself when it comes to certain things, but at the same time, it ends up hurting me at times too, so. But I did enjoy the episode and it really did help. And I know that, you know, I've learned a lot about blaming and learned to pause and stop and think about it and, you know, know that it's a disease and try not to like blame and because that's just me judging and I don't want somebody else judging me. So I try to work on that and, you know, I'm going through my steps and everything and I'm on step 10 now. So I'm just proud of myself and, you know, where I've come you know, where I used to be. I think about it all the time and I just can't believe that I was ever there. You know, I do reflect back on my readings and my journal and stuff like that. So I know that, you know, I have come a long way and I just really enjoyed this episode and I just wanted to share that with you. So thank you. Hi there. I just wanted to share on episode 19 about gratitude. I just finished listening to that You know, it can get help get me through difficult times. I guess recently at work, there's a lot of stress. My qualifier and I work for the same company. However, we're in two separate buildings, of course, but we do work for the same company. We had our holiday party last night and it was, I would say the day prior, we had some issues only because, you know, I'm not saying I'm perfect. I can definitely be stressed and I don't really always know how to manage my stress, but I think I do a pretty decent job just because I have tools and I can reason things out with someone. As with him, he doesn't have a program. I mean, he has been clean for 14 months, but for him, you know, when stress comes about, he takes it out on the next person, which is usually his family or me. Things that are said are hurtful. And, you know, I try not to take things personal, but it's really hard sometimes because I deal with a lot of insecurities and I'm always trying to work on that. I would think that would be my primary thing I need to work on as far as my defects and stuff like that. But as far as gratitude goes, I think that's what gets me through. Like I try to, yeah, nothing's going to be perfect. It's not always going to, you know, work is not going to always go the way I want it to go, but I am in a supervisor position, so I do have to manage and, you know, oversee a lot of people. So I think that it can, you know, it's hard to find a fine line. You know, there's some things I can control and some things I just can't. And all I can do is my best and do what's right and hope that, you know, it'll all fall into place. And if it doesn't, it's not the end of the world. I value the opinions of the other employees, but I don't really think that it's my business if they like me or I'm not going to please them. I'm not going to do things just for them. I'm going to do things that make me happy and do things that I can be okay with in my head. And I think that's the struggle with me and my qualifiers because sometimes we'll discuss work issues and he's in a different uh, mindset than I am, and I think sometimes he thinks I don't understand, you know, or that he's going through more than he deals with more than I do. And and I know that that's not true, but I just listen and know that you know those are his feelings, and he's entitled to those, and I'm entitled to my feelings. But I do try to, when I see that I'm stressed out, I try to have a gratitudes list, whether I talk to my sponsor or just text an Al-Anon friend. You know, this is what I'm grateful for today. I know that for me, like if I focus on those things, it seems to help get me through. I mean, it doesn't get, a, you know, remove anything that I'm going through at the moment, but it does tend to put things in perspective and know that things will be okay. But I really enjoyed the podcast episode on gratitude. It's always one of my favorite topics to talk about in the meetings or with my sponsor it's always a good topic and it's a positive one so um you know i do try to lean on gratitude when things are going well in my life as well just to reaffirm that you know i am in a good place and things are this is the feeling that i want to hold on to and just embrace it thank you for letting me share i just finished episode 18 on step 4 I made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves and I just wanted to share on it a little bit. It came at a really good time. It's funny how, you know, steps that we've done before and when we talk about them again at meetings or they come up in conversation, it's kind of like it happens at the right moment when you need it. And I know that when I did my fourth step, I did it in the paths to recovery with the questions as well. And it took me a long time. I felt like I was never going to be done. And it was really scary, I guess, because you you know, hear other people share in meetings and how challenging it was and dealing with yourself. And nobody really wants to look and focus on themselves. At least I don't. I don't know necessarily like focusing on people and like negativity. Like it always has always made me feel uncomfortable. Any type of negativity, gossiping, like when I'm at work, like it always just makes me feel uncomfortable and I just want to walk away a lot of times. I think that... One of the sections in the book said something about if I possess courage and if not, then I can, you know, definitely give that over to my higher power if I don't think that I, you know, ask him for guidance and help in that. And I think that that's helped me a lot too. You know, there's another thing in in there that talked about how the addicts or qualifiers in our lives tend to affect our self-esteem and they tend to point out faults and shortcomings. And then, you know, it it does get discouraging. And that recently happened to me. And I guess I just have to know when to walk away and not take part in it. And I don't have to react or become a part of that negativity. So as for today, I'm focusing on me and I know that acts of self-love and what you can do for yourself and little things can make a difference. And, you know, definitely sharing with your sponsor and you know with other Al-Anon members is a great help. So um I really enjoyed the topic. I enjoyed everyone's share and their insight on you know episode 18. It really was you know it's good to hear other people's perspectives and their experience. So thank you. I just finished listening to episode 20 on forcing solutions. I really like the topic. It's true like our thinking becomes distorted and I don't know for me I I don't realize I'm forcing a solution until I'm in the middle of doing it. And then I'm like panicking and I'm like frustrated and it just doesn't lead to anything positive or good. You know, I find that if I can sit back and just hand my will over to my higher power, things just seem to fall into place and things just seem so much more easier and simplified. And, you know, I know that he has a plan for me and, It's been laid out and I know he knows what's in my best interest, even if I don't really necessarily agree with it, especially, you know, dealing with my personal issues as far as like work and family, you know, mostly my qualifier, because sometimes I feel like he can't really necessarily always give me what I want. And so that's a selfish way of thinking. I... I'm one of those people that wear my heart on my sleeve, and I'm always very expressive with my feelings, and I always want people to know how important they are to me, and I voice that. And sometimes when I don't always get that back, I try to, like, I don't know, ask questions or question something or... You know, find out why they're doing something a certain way. And I know that it just doesn't lead to anything good. I mean, I really liked this topic. I don't know necessarily that I've been to a meeting where we've discussed this. So it was really quite an eye opener for me. And I need to realize that it's something I need to work on. I feel like I'm insecure and my self esteem is really affected. And, you know, recently right now I'm working on step 10. I just started reading it. Going to start answering questions about it. And so, this is just kind of a good reminder of, you know, where I'm at today. And I need to like realize that even if I force, you know, a solution, that it's not natural. And I don't know, I don't really feel as good about it. And if it just happens naturally and things happen the way they're supposed to, Whether it's good or bad, I just have to accept it, you know, just kind of, and realize, you know, that I can't control anything, you know, except for my own self, my thoughts and my actions and everything. So, anyways, I really enjoyed this topic and thank you for letting me share. I just wanted to share a little bit on episode 21. The topic was Easy Does It. This is always a good one, and sometimes I can relate to the fact that. I can be hard on myself and I want like an answer now or I got to know the outcome right now or things can't be unfinished or, you know, I need like either it to be completed or need to know how it's going to be completed and I need it done like now. So it does remind me that, you know, it's not that big of a deal when it comes to certain things. I don't have to be hard on myself. I think that When I focus on self care, that easy does it comes a little bit more easier for me to be, you know, in that moment. And I find that I can be in the moment a little bit better and not have to worry or dread on the past or focus on the future. But I really like the topic. It's a good one. And thank you for letting me share. I just wanted to share on episode 23, which was on confessions and step five. I know that when I had to do that step, it was, I think, more difficult to confess to myself rather than, you know, my sponsor. You know, it was difficult. I'm not saying it wasn't, but it just seemed like it was more hard to, like, put myself out there and admit some of the things I had done. I had to dig deep for things that I didn't intentionally do, but I could see that they weren't good things to do at the time, you know, as far as like control issues and always wanting to like resolve things like right here, right now, instead of waiting on it or, you know, sleeping on it or, you know, realizing my qualifiers, going through some stuff, both of them actually, and just not get so crazy about it, you know, and I didn't think that I was, but now that I look back on it, I was but I really liked the topic and it's always good to take your own inventory and admit when you're wrong at that moment. Um, Sometimes it's hard, but for me it's better than holding on to it because I know that sometimes I have a hard time like truly letting go. Like I think I'm letting go, but deep down I'm still holding on to something because I want to like know the result or control the result And I know that I can't do that. So, you know, stuff that I have to work on is definitely helpful. So thank you for letting me share.
0: Thank you, Alina, for being so engaged in the podcast. Looking forward, there's been a lot of topic suggestions. Eric has been sending me several that he'd like to work on, and I'm sure we'll pick one or more of those and and do those sometime early in the new year. Somebody suggested, I think last week, a topic of men in Al-Anon. And I reached out and said, hey, if you're a man and you're an Al-Anon and you want to share your experience, maybe being one of very few men in a meeting, um, trying to find a sponsor, whatever you see that is perhaps um, unique to your view about being a man in Al-Anon, please call or write. You can call and leave a voicemail at 734-707-8795. You can call right now if you want, 734-707-8795. There is a voicemail button on the website where you can join the conversation directly from your computer. And if you prefer not to use your voice, you can send email to feedback at therecovery.show. We would love to hear from you, share your experience, strength, and hope, or your questions. And if you have a topic you'd like us to talk about, do let us know. And our website is therecovery.show. We have all the information about the show, including notes for each episode, links to books that we might have read from or mentioned, videos for the music we chose, and some links to other recovery podcasts and websites that we like. Our second musical selection, which is available on the website, is Joan Baez with her rendition of the song One Day at a Time. Some lyrics here. I live one day at a time, I dream one dream at a time. Yesterday's dead and tomorrow is blind and I live one day at a time. And that just speaks to me of how, how I can best find serenity in my life by not living in the past, by not fearing the future, but living in today. And I think that's particularly important when I'm in a stressful situation that might come up around the holidays. We got a lot of email and voicemail this week. Mary S left a voicemail about service.
2: Hi Spencer, this is Mary S from Beaverton, Oregon, and I was calling in about about service. And I have been in Allen now for just about two years. And when I walked through the doors, I was like crawled through the doors actually, and was just absolutely devastated and felt so alone. One thing I started doing a few months after I joined was I became the coin person, the coin czar, meaning anytime there was a newcomer or anyone had a birthday, I got to give them a new coin and give them a hug. It really benefited me because I got to have hugs, and I really needed lots of hugs for those four months, three or four months that I did that, and so it really inspired me to do other service positions. But like I said, the hugs and the coins were amazing. Exactly what I needed during that very low point in my life. Thank you for your show. Bye-bye.
0: Thank you, Mary, for, for sharing your experience of early service and what it did for you in your recovery. Thank you. Karen writes, this is Karen, a grateful recovering al member who has been involved in service for the past few years. The problem is with al members giving service above the group level. Most groups don't send group representatives to our area assembly. That means that the groups aren't connected to al as a whole, and they aren't exercising their voice. The power in al is supposed to be at the group level, but if the groups aren't represented, they abdicate that power. Those who do volunteer stay on past their terms because there are no other volunteers. They burn out. That means that rotation of service, which is a core principle, isn't carried out. One local Al-Anon service arm had to shut down for lack of volunteers. When people come into Al-Anon, they learn to set boundaries about what is theirs and what isn't theirs. I hear people in the program who don't want to do service saying they don't have time for service or they don't want to deal with the personalities or conflict they have heard about. But I think they are missing the point. As the Al-Anon booklet, When I Got Busy I Got Better says, giving service is part of the recovery process. Personally, by giving service I have grown in ways I wouldn't have if I hadn't. By applying my program in a supportive environment with other people who are also working their program, I was pushed to take risks that I wouldn't have taken in any other way. I have increased self-confidence because of service work. That doesn't mean it has all gone great. I have experienced conflict people are afraid of. But I learned how to deal with conflict in a new way that I don't think would have happened otherwise. I would urge dedicated LNM members to think about how they can include service work above the group level in their LNM program. Karen T., Thank you, Karen, for that experience. And this is something that that I've started to face after, ooh, a decade and a half plus in the program, uh, that I have been, you know, avoiding that service above the group level. Over the past year or so, I've been alternate group rep for one of my meetings, and I'll be stepping up to be group representative for that meeting. And so that then means that I need to attend district meetings, and I need to attend the, the area meeting as that group representative and I kept telling myself, you know, I'm doing service here with the podcast, but I'm doing service sort of at an individual level with the podcast. That's not service at the group level, at the at the Al-Anon as a whole level, and I need to step up to that. That's a commitment that I'm making to myself about service. Megan called with a voicemail about the changes episode and how it highlighted one of her character defects. Hey
2: Spencer, my name's Megan. I'm calling from California. I just listened to the Changes episode where Swift and Kelly left the show and you were talking about how you were affected by that. And it brought up a character defect in myself, which was nosiness. And I don't know if that's what you call it, but most of the episode I was concentrated on trying to figure out what happened and why they left as if that was going to give me some answer or something. I don't know. And as I was listening, I was just like, why do I feel entitled to know what is going on in other people's lives that I don't even know? And yes, I feel close to them because I've listened to this show, but is that my ego? Is that arrogance? I don't know. And this is something that is not just in this case. This is something I do with a lot of people where I just feel this need to know as if that's going to satisfy something within me. And I, I'm still working on my fourth step with my sponsor. I'm doing a blueprint. And so I will bring this up with her and talk to her more about it. But it brought it up that it's this entitlement and it's, it is, I feel like it's disrespectful to wedge myself into people's private business that they're not sharing it and opening up about it. If they're, you know, I don't know what that is, but I just, because it was brought up for me, I just want to share it. Anyway, I love the show. So glad you decided to keep making episodes. I know you're way past, you're not way past, but you're past 300 now. So thanks. Have a good day. Bye-bye.
0: Thank you, Megan, for sharing that. I too have that character defect. I want to know the story behind the story. And sometimes it's really hard to just let go of that. Ken left a short note. Dear Spencer and Erica, I've been so blessed by your insights and your sharing about your Al-Anon journeys. I can relate to both of you. Thank you again for being a major instrument in my recovery, Ken. Well, thank you, Ken, for writing. And Ken had a private message for Eric that I passed on to Eric. Matthew also left a voicemail about an Al-Anon slip.
4: Hi, Spencer. It's Matthew S. in Atlanta, Georgia again. I want to thank you for all your service. I've been catching up on episodes because I felt like I was having a slip in my uh, Al-Anon behavior My uh, old sponsor is in a nursing home because he had a stroke from mismanagement of his diabetes. And so his buddies are bringing him chocolate, even though he's not supposed to have that. So I've been confiscating the chocolate and taking to task people that are bringing him that. And of course, that is me trying to control his eating and other people's behavior. So I was sort of jolted into, wow, I need to work more on my Al-Anon program. And I haven't been slacking because I haven't been doing program stuff. I just have been doing other 12-step program stuff. And that is my suggestion for you for a possible podcast topic is coping with being a double winner. I know there; I'm not the only one out there. And I'm actually a sep uh winner, that's seven. And uh that you know, I gave up my alcohol when I was in my twenties, but I struggled more with other process types addictions, food addiction. And uh it's hard to balance being in those different programs and I feel like an outsider often in the programs I have a right to be in, like Al Anon, because of my double winner status. And uh I would be love to hear from other members and how they sort of balance that, what meetings to go to, how do they deal with that. It's challenging sometimes to manage that as a person in in multiple programs. And I found that for myself, as I got more sober in AA and other programs, my codependency really, my desire to control others really blossomed, especially when I sponsored people uh, in AA, you know, trying to control other people. And an old sponsor told me once, an alcoholic in recovery is a budding codependence. Amen to that. So that's my uh, suggestion, and uh, gratitude to you as always. Thanks, and happy holidays.
0: Thank you, Matthew, for sharing that. I think it's important for us to hear that everybody slips now and then, that we're all human, we all make mistakes, and that we can recover from those mistakes. So thank you. Carrie writes, hi. I'm sorry, I don't know if it was Eric or Spencer who talked about his loneliness and sadness. I'm single as well, and I have two teenagers who are going out of town with their father over Christmas break, and I too woke up around one o'clock in the middle of the night last night and prayed and cried and asked for help from a higher power. I did not have a dream, but I woke up and this morning I listened to your podcast, which really, really helped me and was my answer to a prayer and a cry for help. Anyway, I just wanted to say thank you. My name is Carrie, and it's really nice to meet you. Thanks, and have a great day. Well, thank you, Carrie. Glad we can help. Gina called with a voicemail responding to a question that a listener called or wrote with earlier. I'll let Gina speak for herself.
5: Hi, my name is Gina, and I wanted to call to express my gratitude and appreciation for your show and all of your work and time and effort that you put into it. I I love it so much and have found so much peace and serenity in it, and I specifically wanted to leave a message because one of the listeners wrote you an email with a question or a voicemail about him having vision loss and not knowing how to access certain materials for Al-Anon, so I wanted to share that with you, and I have been visually impaired my whole life uh, but a year and a half ago I had a super bad eye accident where the one eye I could see a little bit out of I ran into a wrought iron gate and it burst my eye and it was just so traumatic and awful uh, and I do live and function as a blind person so I had all the blindness skills to work and all the things thank goodness I had that but I was pretty much in despair as well as leaving a uh, husband so it was just too many things at one time. And I somehow found Al-Anon right before that. And then I found your, found your podcast, which I listen to all the time. So I am now totally blind. And I did have resources I want to share. And these are not just for blind people. These are for people with low vision or aging parents. And I think it would be very appropriate for a number of people. So the first thing is there's a app that's free and a service in the United States for visually impaired people and it's called BARD. B is in Boy, A is in Apple, R is in Romeo, D is in Dog. So it's Bard Mobile, and that's the name of the app, BARD Mobile. And that's actually from the Library of Congress. And each state has a Braille and Talking Book library that's free to blind people. And again, I think elderly people, I think dyslexic people, I don't know all the disabilities they cover. But It's a free service with all books, and I've gotten a number of books from Al-Anon and AA from that service. There's also, if a person uses VoiceOver on the iPhone, which is part of the iPhone, it's in the general, it's in settings under general, under accessibility, they can use VoiceOver, and they can buy any books from iBooks, and it will read the text just by using the VoiceOver commands, So that makes that audio. The other thing is there's a really good app called Voice Dream Reader. And you have to pay $20 once and then you don't have to pay again. And that is an app that helps you download different materials from different websites. So there's another service called Bookshare. And it's Bookshare.org. And they are a service that I think you pay an annual fee of $25. And you can download lots of books, AA books and Al-Anon books. And there's also Audible, but that costs money, and a lot of people don't have money. So anyhow, those are my resources for visually impaired people, and I really wanted to express my gratitude for you being there for me and helping helping me um, get through these really hard times. So all is well, and blessings to you, and happy holidays, and talk to you later. Bye.
0: Thank you, Gina, for links to those resources. I will put those links in the show notes at therecovery.show slash 311, because this is episode 311. Also, I will put those in the books page because that seems an appropriate page, an appropriate place to have those links long term. Thanks, thanks again for, for your, for your call and your share. Jill writes, I just wanted to say thank you for the show. I appreciate your honesty and openness. Your show helps me focus at work and as a meeting between meetings for me. Kate left a voicemail about a story of gratitude.
6: Hi, Spencer. This is Kate from Illinois calling to share a story of gratitude about your podcast. On Monday, I had a really huge day. I uh, decided to resign from my position, and this is a big deal for me because I usually like a really good, detailed plan, and I don't have one of those. I feel at peace about the decision. However, that morning, it shot through my head that I should listen to the podcast. It's been a while. So I got to work, and my longest Danny coworker had been fired that morning. The whole day it was just really tense. And in the middle of the day, I, I went to listen to the podcast. I randomly chose an episode. About 20 minutes into it, I realized these voices are very familiar to me. And then I realized these names are really familiar to me. And then I realized they're two of my friends. From a meeting in Illinois, their voices and your voice were with me on a day that felt a little out of control and a little scary for me. I just am blown away by how profoundly clear my higher power let me know that I am never alone and deeply grateful had to share. Thanks so much. Bye.
0: Thank you, Kate. And Kat also sends gratitude for the show and a brief mention of Holiday Survival Kit.
2: Hello, Spencer. This is Kat from Minnesota. Just wanted to say hello and extend my gratitude for what you're doing. Uh, one of my favorite episodes to listen to lately is from Aaron J. I, I love how at the end of it, he reads the promises out loud. I know exactly where to go. To find it because it's right at the end of that episode when he reads the promises so that's one of my go-tos for my holiday survival kit which is also something you mentioned anyway grateful for you and what you're doing and for all your guest hope and um i hope you and your wife and your whole treasured group of family and friends have a wonderful holiday so whatever it is that you do in my family it's christmas and it's not always an easy time for me but i have recovery I have this program, I have the recovery show. So
0: thanks for what you do. Take care. Thanks Kat. And Krista sent a voice share about her first meetings. And I think this might be in response to a topic suggestion a while ago about a show on first meetings. Hi
7: everyone. It's Krista from Nevada. And I just wanted to call in and share about my first meetings I originally went to Al-Anon in, I believe it was 1998, and I ended up going to a group that had people that were, I think it was all women, and they were much, much older than I was at the time, and I think for whatever reason, I wasn't ready for it. The women were all very nice, but I felt sort of out of place, kind of like they knew something that I didn't, or they were a special group and I didn't belong, something didn't feel right about it, and like I said, I probably just wasn't ready. Anyway, I finally went to Al-Anon again in 2001, and that was a much different experience. I was in Henderson, Nevada, and I ended up going to a meeting that had probably, gosh, 50 people in it at times. It was very big, and it wasn't a circular format. It was everybody kind of faced forward, and then we just shared whenever we shared. I can't even remember really the format sometimes, but I mean how they shared. I think it was just like any other meeting, except we weren't all looking at each other because some of the meetings I go to now, or most of them I go to now, we're all facing each other in a circle or something like that. But anyway, I attended that meeting for a whole year and I would always kind of duck out really quickly and try to be unobtrusive. I tried to be not noticed and I never I never spoke literally for a whole year other than after the meeting I would say hi or bye to people and that was about it. And then there was some sort of a, an Al-Anon convention and so almost everyone in the whole group was gone and I remember it was a really big big meeting room, but we the few of us that were there or the handful of us that were there got into a small circle and we all um, were facing each other. And that day, it felt safe to me and I started talking. And I really didn't stop talking and I cried like a faucet the whole time. And it was just a really blessed experience because people were so gracious and Loving and supportive and kind and ever since then I pretty much talk in meetings now because I realize how Important it is for my recovery. So If you're one of those new people or if you're sitting on the fence about going I would highly encourage you because It's a beautiful experience And that's all I have today. Thank you Have a great day everyone.
0: Thanks Krista for sharing As I mentioned, we have a list of recovery related books. It's it needs to be updated I've been working on that slowly. If you click or tap on the books link in the menu at the top of each page, you can see some books that, that we have, um, some books that have been meaningful to us over the years. If you order from Amazon through that page, we do get a small commission, which helps to keep us going and it doesn't cost you anything more. But I thank you for your support in whatever form you give it. If you donated, like Stephanie, Michael, Lisa, Sherry, Rose, and Janie did. Thank you very much for that. But you can also support us just by sharing the podcast with your friends. Simply direct them to therecovery.show or by listening. We are here for you. And the last song that I picked, this song for me sets up unrealistic expectations, but also recognizes some of their perhaps unrealistic nature. This is I'll Be Home for Christmas, and I'll be posting a Bing Crosby version just to get us in that in that mood lyrics i'll be home for christmas you can plan on me please have snow and mistletoe and presents by the tree christmas eve will find you where the love light gleams i'll be home for christmas if only in my dreams thank you for listening and please keep coming back whatever your problems there are those among us who have had them too we did not talk about a problem you are facing today. Feel free to contact us so we can talk about it in a future episode. May understanding, love, and peace growing you one day at a time.